Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Vicarious. Written by Matt Butcher. Narrated by Justin Fife, with Ian McEwen as Drew, and Paulina Logan as Rosa. Monotony and repetition. Those were the two staples of my dull, gray existence. I got up every morning after painfully little sleep to eat the same protein-enriched slop for breakfast and shower and water that I suspected had been recycled around my tower block for longer than I'd been alive. After a bi-daily monorail ride with all the other hopeless drones, I would arrive at my workplace, a cubicle prison cell that had eaten more of my time than I cared to think about. Within its thin cardboard walls, I spent my time furiously tapping away at my keyboard, creating firewall security programs to protect the consumers of the revolutionary brain-to-computer interfacing technology, Neuralink. The Neuralink allowed memories to be downloaded and relived like photographs. It allowed instant learning via data transfer, and communication could be sent from one Neuralink to another through so-called digital telepathy. This technology's level of invasiveness was naturally not without its risks. Without the right protective software, the software which I wrote, thoughts could be stolen, dreams invaded, and deeply personal information plucked directly from the gray matter from halfway around the globe for me, right? Unfortunately, this line of employment provided no sense of satisfaction. Though the work I did had ensured the well-being of a great many people, I couldn't seem to find any solace for my robotic existence in that fact. The droll repetition ate away at me every day, gnawing at my will to maintain such a banal and directionless life. Fortunately, through my work, I was able to discover an escape. 
freedom to leave the world fate saw fit to surround me with, to visit the ones I could pick and choose at will. Via a series of back doors I had been quietly programming into the firewall software for some time, I was able to sneak into the downloaded Neuralink data of the less security savvy. From the small concrete confines of my 76th floor flat, I was able to immerse myself in the lives of others. I started off cautiously, unsure how significant the risk of detection was, and gently eased myself into the system. It was as simple as letting my mind wander into a daydream. The network presented itself as a series of glowing highways, an internal visualization that helped my mind navigate the digital realm in a way it could understand and, when I felt confident I was free to float around without consequence, I began to explore. Slipping through the back doors, I could, at first, flick through photo albums of anyone who hadn't seen fit to encrypt them sufficiently, but soon I grew bold enough to access their immersible memories. I could join a jovial family, and a looped memory on the beaches of sunny Spain experienced through the eyes of their father. I could gaze in wonder at the snowy landscapes of the Alps as a mother watched her son repeatedly proposing to his love on a skiing trip, or I could join a crowd of a football game in their celebration of a glorious match win. They were such vivid, tangible experiences. Information from all the senses of the original memories were untainted. I felt everything. I was there. Even the emotions carried through in some part. I felt the pride of the mother. I felt the joy of the father, and I felt the kindred spirit of the football fans. I finally felt a wholeness. I found meaning for my life from the lives of others. Sure, it was happiness borrowed, but it was happiness nonetheless. I worked with a renewed purpose, continuing to code the security software, but in ways that left the firewalls open to my prying. I found something to fill my existential void, and like a junkie chasing a fix, I had to have more. I refused to allow myself to run empty again. There was no going back. Through more evasive programming, I managed to grant myself access to previously hidden databanks. I would stay up all night, cruising around the glowing highways, their newly formed side streets, soaking up the happiness memories from those unwittingly sharing them with me. I developed favorite destinations, memories I'd immerse myself in frequently, the favorite of which I would visit every morning. It was Paris in the height of spring, floral scents of fresh blooming flowers seemed to dance on the wind despite the altitude, and the memory always started with the same view of the Parisian rooftops extending all the way into the skyline. The sky, its blue beginning to be painted with the pink of the setting sun, was cut into diamonds by the Eiffel Tower's viewing deck safety barrier. It looked truly magical, like a stained glass window. I turn around and that's when I see her. Rosa. My God, she's beautiful. I felt my heart, the memory owner's heart, flutter as our eyes locked. I feel all that he felt. He loved her so deeply and so fully. The feeling in his heart of the butterflies and warmth is what had me hooked on this memory. I experienced his love for Rosa as though I were him. It was a high unrivaled by any chemical escape I had previously tried to mask the emotional nothing I had been confined to before this. It was more real than any chemical-induced euphoria or digital high floating around the Neuralink's murky underbelly. I felt his happiness, 
I felt he loved Rosa. I loved Rosa. Filled with his borrowed happiness, I went to work with a smile that was uncharacteristic enough to unnerve my co-workers, but I didn't care. I had found sanctuary in the loving memory of another. I had somewhere to escape the stresses and disappointments of everyday life. The grays that my world had originally been painted in were now replaced with the pink-setting Parisian sun and the electric blue of Rosa's eyes. The world was so much bigger and brighter now that I had her in it. That evening, I returned to the electric highway to that memory, as per my new routine, and was taken back to the lofty deck of the Eiffel Tower. The stained-glass sky was the same rosy color it always was, and Rosa was just as breathtaking as the first time I looked through the eyes of another at her. This time, however, it seemed different. I felt a greater connection to the memory, and rather than feeling the usual conscious disconnection to the physical aspect of the experience, I felt it as though I was really there. Perhaps this was a symptom of repeated exposure to this memory, but I couldn't be sure. There was no control of the owner's memory's actions, but I had started to get flashes of what he was thinking and who he was. His name was Drew, and he was a lecturer of philosophy. His feelings for Rosa were true, but he was keeping a secret. Something lurked beneath, far away from that beautiful moment in Paris, but its shadow loomed over him. What was he hiding from Rosa? She deserved to know. I love you, Rosa. He said with such genuine love. I love you too, Drew Bear. She replied with a smile that sent Drew's heart and mine ablaze with passion. But still, something dark murmured deep within him. What are you hiding, Drew? What have you done? Sadly, this was the end of the memory, and though I usually let it repeat... I was inspired to dig deeper. I was inside Drew's database. I had infiltrated his mind. He could keep no secrets from me. Returning to the digital side street, I scanned the burning walls for what I needed. Drew's personal memories, the ones he'd kept hidden from Rosa. I tried to allow myself in, but they were encrypted, far more so than any of his other files. I had to dig deeper, but not from within the system. I would have to work on this from my cubicle workstation, Drew had won this round, sure, but I'd unearth his secrets soon enough. The following day at the office, I began to program a worm that would eat into Drew's encryption. I had my own work to do, and use of such a program would greatly increase the risk of my getting caught, but it was worth it. I loved Rosa. I needed to know what Drew was hiding from her. She had a right to know. That evening, I returned to the previously encrypted files to discover my worm had been successful. It had burrowed through Drew's firewall like a maggot through rotting flesh, allowing me full access to the inner circle of his digital sanctum. Entering the first memory, I was met with a face, not Rosa, someone new. She was pretty sure, but she wasn't Rosa. The feelings that burnt inside of Drew were lustful and passionate. He didn't love this woman. He only craved for what was between her legs. This was his secret. He had had an affair. Though his love for Rosa seemed genuine, he was, at some point, unfaithful. She deserved better, and I had to allow her this. Gliding into another file, I found myself in a house. Drew was heading through the hallway, its wall lined with photos of Rosa. Rounding a corner, she came into sight. Turning from the pleasant-smelling dinner she was preparing, she smiled at Drew, unknowing of his deceit. 
I hope you're hungry, Drew Bear. Rosa grinned. I might have accidentally doubled the recipe measurements. You know me. I can never have enough. Is that why you fucked her? I felt Drew freeze in place. Who... who said that? He asked in a panic whisper. Could he hear me? But how? This was a memory. The only way he could react like this would be if I had somehow accessed his live stream. What's the matter? Rosa asked. Can you hear me? Who the fuck is that? I felt his palms press against his temples. Honey, you're scaring me. You didn't hear it! He was scared. Good. He should have been scared. Rosa raised a hand to Drew, but he batted it away. Please, Drewbear, what's going on? I needed to leave before they got wise to me and activated a tracking program. But before I went, I had to leave a passing message. I know what you did, Drew. Rosa deserves better. Removing myself from the network as hastily as I could, I jolted upright in my flat, coated in cold sweat. What I had just done was meant to be impossible. Such an invasive technology relied upon protection against mental intrusion. No level of digital digging would have granted this level of access. But it had. The system was faulty to a terrifying degree, but it was a fault I could utilize. I could save Rosa from Drew. I had to. I couldn't let my life sink back into the all-consuming meaninglessness, not without finishing what I had started. I spent the next day at work in a trance. I sat for hours, bathed in my screen's dull glow, and thought about Rosa. At several points, my mind drifted towards the fiery highway, but I pulled myself back. I couldn't be seen out of body at my desk. They would trace where I was, and I would be tried for mental trespassing. I couldn't allow this to happen. I'd never see Rosa again. An incoming signal sent my Neuralink all abuzz. Opening it on screen, I was met with a message that stopped my heart dead in my chest. There's someone that wants to talk to you downstairs. They said they're from Cybercrime Division of something. I told them that you weren't likely to have done anything, but they want to talk to you anyways. Best wishes, front desk. This was it. They had found me. I got sloppy and they found me so fucking stupid. I slowly got up from my workstation and moved towards the stairwell. I had to get out. There was a whole troop of footsteps marching up the stairs with trained precision. It wasn't just a couple investigators wanting to talk. This was an armored riot squad here to detain and interrogate me. Couldn't let that happen. Heading back into the office slow enough as to not draw attention, I made my way into the floor's bathroom and locked myself in the end cubicle. It wasn't going to keep them out for long, but perhaps it would buy me enough time. Sitting on that porcelain throne, let my mind drift to the digital highway. I let my consciousness slip from my brain along the digital passageways and bleed out. More than I had done before. All of me. Down the fiery highway I shot, along each blazing pathway and connection until I found Drew's side street. Locating his live feed file, which still seemed to glow white hot from my previous access, I entered. There was more of me invested this time. I had drifted from my body entirely in panic. I filled his mind so much that I could feel myself colliding with Drew's thoughts, but instead of running, I felt myself overwrite him. He fought, as how could he not? But my desperation gave me an energy he could not suppress. I couldn't go back to my own body. It was doomed for a life in prison. I could never survive prison. 
this was to be my home now. I would be Drew. I could right all his wrongs. I'd spend the rest of his life, my life, treating Rosa the way she deserved. Is everything okay? I heard Rosa ask from behind me. Steering Drew's body, I turned around to face her. Everything's fine, Rosa. Everything is just fine. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Vicarious was written by Matt Butcher, narrated by Justin Fife, Ian McEwen and Paulina Logan, edited by Carl Hughes, music by Meditate, Medicine, Shippy Bow and Tom Robson. So we recently hit number one of all arts podcasts in the UK and number four overall. So a big thank you to all of you amazing people who decided to check us out. If you'd like to know more about what we do, that could be novels, comics, even films, then go to hawkandcleaver.com. Maybe add us on Twitter, Instagram, all at at hawkandcleaver. Or if you'd like to support the show and help us keep the beast alive, then you can become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver. Until next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.